This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I, I, uh, I don't know what it is like to do crack cocaine. Um, but I imagine whatever this feeling is that I'm feeling right now is pretty similar to that feeling. This is crazy. Um, as a, as a, uh, someone covering the team, this is crazy because now all of a sudden with swings and misses, we've, we've gotten to do a couple of post-game shows and will, I guess, continue to get to do those post-game shows. And, and this team has been a joy to cover and, and the sound bites after the game and these guys talking about being bottom feeders and, and all of that. But as a, as a Marlins fan, which I won't pretend like I'm not a Marlins fan. Um, I don't shy away from that on Twitter and I wouldn't shy away from it here. Uh, this is pretty surreal. Like when you think about what this team has gone through and to kind of come out on the other side of it on a multitude of levels. Um, it's just, it's one of the most incredible sports stories I've ever seen, uh, considering all the different elements with this franchise and then all the different elements with just this season. And, and we can get into all of that. Um, but this was a, a pretty incredible uh, victory of a series for the Marlins. It was a pretty incredible uh, game uh, to see Sixto Sanchez go out there and, and and throw the ball pretty well as a rookie. Um, and, you know, heck, the sky's the limit for this season. Who knows what this team can do? All right. Well, thank you. We're going to throw it out to Stake if he's ready to uh, hit you up with something. Hey, JT, hey, sad Cubs fan here. Um, <laughs> I have done crack cocaine, and I'm not feeling like I'm on crack cocaine right now. Um, <laughs> the Cubs were one of the worst. Te- this is just such a boring 
season and boring team and they yeah. couldn't hit and like one of my least favorite cub teams uh competitive cubs teams they've had sure. some really bad teams that i just hated but this was horrible horrible season um on the opposite end how would you rate this marlins team compared to like 97 or 03 or some mm. of your other favorites gosh so that it's that's a hard question to answer um first of all i'm sorry about your cubs because that team should not have been this bad. Um, I mean, I guess in, in some ways the Cubs overachieved for what the expectations were uh, by winning the division. I don't think a lot of people had that. But on the same note, the regression of some of the guys that that won that 2016 team has been bizarre. Like Javi Baez today and in this series was, was shockingly bad at the plate. Um, and he was all season long. And it was very strange. And I know it's just a 60-game season, but... I was thrown off by that because Javi Baez is one of my favorite players in baseball. Um, I think I spoke with you guys about that, actually. I think I called him like the most exciting player in baseball going into the season. So I don't know what happened there uh, with him for the Marlins. Um, so I was two years old when they won it in 97. So I'm going to have a pretty tough time uh, letting you know how I felt about that team because I didn't have any feelings about that team. In, in regard to 03, uh, I think this is a little bit different. Um, in terms of the feeling, but, but it's also, these two teams are built strangely similarly, right? Both teams were built around a young starting rotation that sort of overachieved for where they were supposed to be at, at that moment, right? The, the Marlins, while Beckett and, and mind you, Burnett was hurt that whole year. He was supposed to be the other guy, but Beckett and Penny and Pavano, those guys kind of overachieved for where they were supposed to be at. I mean, Josh Beckett was, was what, 23, 24 years old when he was throwing gems in the World Series against the Yankees, you know, opposite Pettit and Clemens and guys like that. Um, this team is doing some of the same stuff. Sandy Alcantara, a couple of huge wins here as, as a, you know, young 24-year-old on the mound. Sixto Sanchez is a rookie today throwing the ball well. Pablo Lopez was waiting to go next. Another young arm. Trevor Rogers is a rookie. He's the fourth arm when they throw in the ALD or NLDS rather. So in that way, very similar. Also, this team plays a lot of small ball, similar to that 2003 team. Um, that team had a lot more brand name recognition. Um, and I'm not doing sort of a uh, you know, hindsight's 2020 thing. They had Pudge Rodriguez. He was a you know, league renowned superstar. Mike Lowell had already earned some credibility around the league. When they reacquired Jeff Conine, he had earned some credibility around the league. Um, this team was looked at as, okay, Corey Dickerson exists. <laughs> and Jesus Aguilar is no longer the guy he was in Milwaukee, but all right, he might hit a couple homers. It makes sense that he's on a lineup that bad. Right. These are the things that people thought about the veteran acquisitions for the Marlins with this team uh, a little bit differently than that 03 team. But in some of the same ways, right, Juan Pierre setting the table at the top of the lineup on that team and Luis Castillo having a career year and Derek Lee. Right. I mean, does that not remind you at least a bit? of what you've seen from Magnary Sierra and, and then Monte Harrison stealing bases and John Birdie playing every day at second, Garrett Cooper coming up with the big homer when needed. I mean, these teams are very similar and I love this team. Um, I loved that team as an eight-year-old. Those are going to be two completely different feelings for me personally, but I think 
for Marlins fans that experienced both, um, I think there is a weird element that this team makes you feel something a little bit different. I think maybe it's because of, of, of the ownership. I think maybe it's because really nobody expected them. And, and in a way where the Florida Marlins of 2003 were not a laughing stock as an organization yet, because yes, they had the one, um, the one dismantling of the 97 team that was upsetting, but it hadn't happened twice. It had only happened the one time and they only found it as a team in 93. So when you sell everything off in 97 and then ownership changes and you go ahead and win in 03, there's not the stigma around the organization that there is right now. Going into this season and for the last decade, the Marlins have been a laughing stock. And so to see them kind of turn that around, I think it, it means a lot to the Miami Marlins fan base. That was a super long-winded way of answering your question. That's okay. Can I tell you about my uh, my thoughts about the 2003 Marlins team? I oh, was please. 21 during that. I was 21 during that series, oh, and uh, I blame that team for the uh, drinking problem that still haunts me to this day. <laughs> so one of my least favorite. Yeah, teams ever. I I am so sorry about that, honestly, because the that team. Oh, God, that eighth inning in game six. I'm so sorry. I cannot imagine being on on the non-winning side of that inning. All right, so we're going to throw it out to Beep for him to jump in. Go ahead, Beep. Hey, Jeremy, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, and it's a pleasure actually talking to you for, uh, for the yeah. first time. The past couple times yeah. I've been kind of indisposed. Um, so with the games not starting until next week, uh, until Tuesday, Wednesday, through, through Saturday, if necessary, um, how does this young rotation actually stack up? against a, mm. a very solid Braves rotation that literally just held the Reds scoreless for two two consecutive games here? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, well, the Reds, the Reds can't hit. Uh, they have a couple of guys who can hit, but as a, as a lineup, if they were a better lineup, uh, they would have had a lot more success in this shortened season uh, in that division because their pitching was outrageous. Uh, and the Braves were lucky to win game one. Uh, I went 13 innings and they won one, nothing. Right. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, but I think your question is great because the, it, it's tough to see the Marlins rotation stacking up with that Braves lineup to be perfectly frank. Um, as great as they are, that Braves lineup might be the best lineup in baseball. Um, it, it, you could put it up there with the Yankees. You could put it up there with the Dodgers. It's, it is a terrific lineup. And that's because Travis Darno has overachieved this season compared to what folks expected. Um, that lineup would have been great. The fact that their catcher is maybe the best hitting catcher left is like, it puts them on a whole other level. Um, and Marcelo Zuna right now is freaking Babe Ruth. Like he is hitting the ball as well as anybody in baseball. And so I haven't even mentioned Freddie Freeman or Ronald Acuna Jr. or Ozzy Albies. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the guys that can hurt you. Um, very different from what you just faced in the Cubs, which looked like a totally lethargic effort uh, offensively. And a bunch of guys who were bad all season. This isn't like the result of them only scoring one run in two games against the Marlins pitchers. It's like not that surprising if you've been watching the Cubs because they just haven't hit. You know the names more than you knew the names in the Marlins lineup, um, but they haven't hit all year. 
the Braves have. The Braves scored 29 runs against the Marlins in one game. That said, the Marlins were four and six against the Braves, right? They won the series where the Braves scored 29 runs in a game. They had a, a super negative run differential. I think it was a good shot. The Marlins could end up getting outscored by 15 runs and win this series. Like they could win, you know, two to one in game one, lose 11 nothing in game two, win five to two in game three, lose 10 to two in game four, and then win a game in extras, right? Like we have no clue how this can go. And, and the Braves, the Braves are the better baseball team. Let's just, let's put it as it is. The Braves are the better team. They were better during the regular season. They beat the Marlins more times than they lost to them. They had a better record than the Marlins and they have the better lineup. But there's something about this Marlins team where they're starting pitching, particularly with Chad Wallach behind the plate, who has just been like this this godsend for them who wouldn't even be playing if Francisco Cervelli had not suffered a concussion that knocked him out uh, for the rest of, of his season. And, and it looks like it's actually going to be his career. Um, I, I am mesmerized by that detail of the Marlins, but with this team, and, sorry, I just saw, I saw, I saw beep God's message in there. Nowhere, man. Yes. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm talking to myself. You're not even the audience, but the, the ability of, of this team to come up in the biggest moments, they scored all their runs in the seventh inning. They scored all their runs in these two games in the seventh inning. They were getting absolutely crushed in, you know, they could not get anything going early, but timely hitting. And so if this starting rotation can consistently go six, seven innings and just keep them in the game, all the pressure is on Atlanta. It's a neutral site. There's no fans. The Braves are, you know, the Marlins are playing with house money. They're the bottom feeders. They weren't supposed to be here. The Braves are the big brother in the division. And if the Marlins overtake them right now before the quote unquote build is done, that is not going to feel good for Atlanta fans. Like, uh, like Billy Gill said, all bets are off. All bets are off. All bets are off. Billy gets it. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you. All right. We're going to go out to Morgan in Australia, our foreign correspondent and sadly other Cubs fan. I'm not a Cubs fan anymore. I quit. No. <laughs> um, that's not true. Um, JT, this is the first time we've spoken today, I promise. I haven't annoyed you for hours before this <laughs> at all. Um, I was very love nervous. You, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to put these glasses on because I'm embarrassed. No, um, oh, I, I was very, very, very nervous. Um, understandably so because – Somebody was in was imposting themselves as Javier Baez, and I don't know who that guy is, but he needs to go. Um, I think Steak would have hit better than Javi did. Couldn't have been just, worse. Literally, terrible. couldn't have been worse. Yeah. No, couldn't have been worse at all. Um, do you think that Steak and I are sadder than David Sampson right now, or <laughs> is he the saddest person in Florida? Oh my God, that is a great question. Uh, I don't have a personal relationship with one David Sampson, um, but I got to imagine he does not feel great today. Um, you think he's he, justified in not feeling great? I guess we'll just have to wait to see, huh? Um, no, I I think that uh, today is an interesting, and it got to be an interesting day for David Sampson, who who you know publicly is rooting for the Marlins. 
Um, but even owned, I think it was on the local hour last week with, with Mike Ryan, that, that as much as he's publicly rooting for the Marlins and, and kind of does want them to win, that when they got into the playoffs, he was kind of miserable because it, it showed that, that a different ownership group and a different leadership group could, could do the job better than, than he could. Um, and, and that's gotta be the feeling again today, right? I mean, they go into Chicago and, and, you know, and now I'm fielding questions from stake about comparing this team to the O3 team. That's the only thing David Sampson has that has anybody having any sort of love for the guy publicly in this community was that O3 team. And if all of a sudden we're starting to make comparisons to that, which as soon as they lose, we won't. And we'll remember that O3 team more fondly. This, there's ups and downs in, 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 in rooting for teams, but yeah, to answer your question, I, I don't think he's having a great day. I imagine he's a little sadder than you are. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we're going to. I can't to... believe you put me on the spot like that. Oh, uh, it was a great question. Sorry, you know it. it was a great question. So, what do you want me to ask? How's Marte? No, no, it was great. No, no, it, was great. it was great. It was perfect. It's exactly what it, that's what this podcast is for. It was terrific. All right. We're going to throw it out to John of Miami, the local boy. It's very interesting because we have two Marlins fans, two Yankee fans, and two Clubs fans on this podcast right now. Wow. So so two two fans of a team that beat both teams in route to a World Series. It's amazing. Nice. All right, John, what's up? Hey, JT. So, well, before I get to some of my stuff, does, um, does Samson then have like uh, kind of an out here because, because this season has an asterisk by it? Uh, yeah, that'll be the out. If, right. if it were to happen, like if the Marlins were really like go all the way here, which just feels understand that that would mean they'd have to beat the Braves. They'd have to beat the Dodgers and they'd have to beat whoever comes out of the American league, which is going to be a great, great baseball team, probably the Yankees, a great baseball team. And no matter what they do, it would be an insane route to a title. So there's not much of an excuse, no different than like, how we how fans down here feel about the heat right like if the heat had had stayed healthy and now had a chance to win a title that regardless of the asterisk we'd go all right but you beat Giannis and then you beat the Celtics and then you beat LeBron you'd feel really good that would be the similar justification for a Marlins fan but if if you are David Sampson and, and you're looking for a way to sort of just hold on to that last piece of hope uh yeah that that, that would be a good way to do it and you also all got COVID, like. Yeah, I mean that's that's freaking insane. We'll, we'll, we gotta, we gotta touch on that at some point. Too many four roster changes. It's crazy. Like, like we lost today, 60, so I should be like sixty percent. No, but like let's say that for just a second, John. Right before we get to this this question, I'm just sixty percent of the Marlins roster had COVID three days into the season. Sixty percent of the team had COVID 18 of 30 guys like get that think about that for just a second as we sit here as the president is being brought to the hospital for for the very same disease that 18 people on that team had COVID including Sandy Alcantara okay including Garrett Cooper okay these guys that came up huge in these moments that recovered from COVID and came back and now are in the National League Division Series. It's insane that they were able to overcome what they did. They had guys on their team that had never met. Francisco Cervelli was walking out to the mound mid-game and introducing himself to people for the very first time in the middle of baseball games. And they're in the playoffs and they've advanced. 
Okay, sorry, John. You can go ahead now. I just had to get that in there. I got you. But listen, today, COVID, COVID's on my good side. All right. So let's yeah. just um, let's not talk. Uh, let's not you know badmouth COVID right now. Okay. Okay. Um, okay all right. Very good. So if if I can if I can go ahead and put my my Billy hat on here, my uh, Billy Gill here, um, I want to know what's wrong with being a bottom feeder. I mean, do you like lobster? Huh? <laughs> Who doesn't like lobster? I like lobster. Right? Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Everybody should celebrate with a lobster dinner. That all oh, man. Right? That would just be a little drawn butter, delicious, delicious in more ways than one, right? Absolutely. Except Chris Curtis' wife, because she's allergic yeah. to shellfish. Well, yeah, that's a good point. You're right. She just doesn't like a tramp. <laughs> so, um, my my question then, as a as a casual baseball watcher, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just been watching the Marlins play now probably more than I have in in the you know, in this past uh, year than I have maybe in the past couple of years, I was wondering about, uh, you mentioned small ball and, you know, mm-hmm. where they sacrifice, uh, is my understanding is they're sacrificing power for agility or quickness. And, and why, yeah. why, why don't people, why don't more people do that? Where, what happened to stealing bases? What happened to, where, where did that go wrong? Was it just the power hitting and trying to get, uh, uh, you know, uh, let's see the the home run um, yeah. chase. Is that it? It's just that yeah. Simple? I mean, so so I think what happened was um, analytics became a much bigger part of the game. Um, and when that happened, and you started to see shifts um, as much as you have, uh, think about the fact that like because of the way you can align defenses based off statistical probability with certain hitters it's almost impossible to just like hit a ground ball through a hole anymore. If you're a really good hitter and who's, who's hitting a lot of the time, because guys are, unless you are Starling Marte, right. For example, who is someone who can hit the ball to both fields, um, who can hit the ball to both sides of the field really consistently. If you're a dead pull hitter, like they're pulling that shift and thus you just have to hit it over them. Um, and that's become sort of the thought process is, is there's, you know, three outcomes of walk, strikeout or Homer. Um, and that's pretty much what, what's being taught at a, almost at a younger level too. I mean, like I, I am, I'm 25 years old. I played showcase baseball in high school. It's not that long ago, right? The guys that are coming up and playing in the bigs now are the ones who are my age. And so I was there playing in these showcase tournaments and in showcase tournaments, you have pitchers who only throw one or two innings at a time because they're trying to light up the radar gun and show shout, scouts, this is how hard I throw. You have hitters doing the same thing, right? They're cool with a couple of strikeouts as long as you're showing off some of the pop at some point. So uh, with that being the case, I'd almost make the comparison to how the NBA game has changed so much and it's all about hitting threes because the math changed, right? They realized, hmm, this is something we can take advantage of. So where in the NBA they went, all right, we'll only shoot 33% from three, but if we shoot, you know, or 40% from three, but if we shoot 40% from three, that outweighs blank percent from two. I think they're, they're doing some of the same math in baseball where they're going, all right, we're willing to strike out at a higher clip. We're willing to steal less bases. We're willing to, to just let guys get on via the walk and then hit them in with a homer because the percentages are showing them that that's the most efficient way to score runs. 
it's the least entertaining way to score runs. Um, I think it's, I think that's a bigger problem with viewership in baseball than marketing of your players. I think the game has gotten boring. Um, when there's only three outcomes, think about how much actual action happens on, on the base pass. That's why these Marlins games have been so fun to watch because of the small ball, because every time John birdie gets on first base, you're sitting in anticipation of, is he going to try to steal second? And there's so many teams across baseball where you just know that they won't even try to steal a base. And so you just sit there and you watch the next pitch and you just wait for a home run where with the Marlins, they're doing all these little things. They could lay down a bomb. They could pull off a hit and run. They could steal a base. And sometimes like they did in this series, their most important runs are going to come across via the homer, right? Corey Dickerson homered, Jesus Aguilar homered, Garrett Cooper homered. But it's because of the threat of the rest of it that they're given an opportunity to come up big in those scenarios. Yeah. Okay. I can, I buy that. Cool. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you got it. All right, Jeremy. So I want to sort of jump back to what Morgan was talking about, but go the other way. <laughs> Is this good okay. for Jeter? When basically last year he said, just give me time and we'll make it work with these young players because it will. And whether it's happenstance oh, or actually, you know, him yeah. being right, do you think he gets, or, or how do you think he gets perceived? Because I feel like there was a lot of anger towards him last year, certainly. Oh, definitely. Look, there was a lot of anger toward him the day he bought the team, right? I mean, you guys would know better than anybody. Levitard absolutely ripped him and Bruce Sherman when they started making those trades of Stanton and Ozuna and Yelich, et cetera. And and you know what? Completely understandably. Uh, I'm from down here. I get why uh, you would feel uh, scorned. Um, And I also get why, and this was the bigger thing, why Levitard's frustration was not with individually Derek Jeter or even individually with Bruce Sherman. It was with the entire collective of how are you going to let a group that doesn't have the money to spend come by this team where we've been dealing with that for years. So that's a that's different than disliking specifically Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman taking over. It was more of a abstract conversation. So that's the first part there. But for Jeter, who has gotten some hate because you know, when you see Christian Yelich in his first season away from the team win the MVP and Lewis Brinson at that time looked like he could not hit if I was throwing soft toss to him. Uh, yeah, people are going to be upset. Now, all of a sudden, this season, Lewis Brinson and Christian Yelich have the same war, okay? Had the same war this season because Lewis Brinson, the last few weeks of the year, just ripped the ball against lefties. They turned Monte Harrison into this tremendous base runner. Um, that's not Derek Jeter's credit, but Derek Jeter's having a hell of a week. Because this week, his team not only made the playoffs and then advanced to the next round, but Mariah Carey described her sexual experiences with him as so sensual. I mean, this guy is having a hell of a week where he gets to play the I told you so card on the Marlins. He gets Mariah just talking about their uh, you know, relations. And it's so far before he ever met Hannah Davis his, his or Hannah Jeter, his wife, that there can't even be any sort of jealousy or any sort of conversations there. It's just like, wow, good for you. Look at Mariah. Like if anything, man, he's having a week. Derek Jeter's having a week and the Yankees advance, right? And he's still got to be rooting for the Yankees too. So uh, yes, it's been, it's been terrific for Jeter. And, and to get here now when everyone really expected, I mean, I said I would start putting on the pressure for them to at least be like a 500 competitive team and look like a real baseball team next year. And then no playoff pressure until maybe the year after that. And yet here we are right now 
where they're making this sort of run that even if they kind of underachieve next year, people might forget it a little bit. And so this is a huge advantage. Yeah. Well, and you had experts like, I mean, even up until two weeks ago, Kirchin was yeah. like, now they're not making the playoffs. He's like, nah, no way. <laughs> it's like yeah, a good story, right. but nah. And then it's like, last week he's like, yeah, no, I was wrong. They are. So That's the big thing, I mean, it's it was so easy uh, to look at this team and go, no, they're not going to make it. No, they're not going to make it. No, they're not going to make it. Eventually they're going to come back down to earth. They will, they will, they will. But then every time that that looked like it was about to happen, one big win or another, every single time. Um, and you know, Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara did it last week where last week, you know, they, they had lost four games in a row. They'd gone right back down to 500. And then Pablo Lopez threw a gem against the Braves. Sandy Alcantara threw a gem against the Yankees and they clinched. And this team has constantly defied the odds. And, and honestly, it's got Jeter's imprint right all over it, man. I mean, that's the type of, uh, that's the type of guy he was right. Not backing down from anything. That must be some gift basket he gives those ladies. Am I right? <laughs> I got to know. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, and bringing Samson back up, I know he's got some experience with being given sort of the, uh, the, the gift basket or the, or the runaround on all that. I'd love to know more. That's if you guys ever, all I ever want to be on this podcast with you guys with Samson is specifically just ask those questions. Like I just got to know more about what that Tampa <laughs> experience was like and what that gift basket's really looked like. All right, we're going to toss it out to Beep for another question. Go ahead, Beep. What's up, Beep? Actually, Jeremy, I've got two quick ones here. Number one, does this make Mattingly a lock to win manager of the year in the National League? Mm-hmm. And number two, do you know anybody in the clubhouse that can make sure that we're not getting the black-on-black uniforms anymore so people can know who the hell these guys are? Oh, so, okay, so I'll answer multiple questions. Uh, the first the, the first question was, oh, I just got so distracted by the uniform question. The first question, can you repeat the first question? Why did my brain just do that? That was crazy. Can, can 2020, you, yeah. man. 2020. Uh, does this make Mattingly a lock oh, yeah. to win okay. manager yes. of the year? What is wrong with me? Uh, so Mattingly, to me, should have been a lock for manager of the year before this. Obviously, the voting actually happens during the regular season. Um, so this this won't count toward anything. But yeah, I mean, Mattingly pulled every single string the right way. Mattingly's team overachieved. Mattingly uh, had a team that was supposed to be in last place end up making the playoffs while the Padres overachieved and they were a really awesome story. Um, and so that could be a manager of the year scenario. I also just like, to me, it, it, it it's not a question. Don Mattingly should be manager of the year. Um, and then m- moving toward the, the uniform question. I think I'm the only person on this planet that absolutely loves the black on black. I, lo- I love it. I love it. I love it. And I know everyone else hates it. And I love it. I do. I really do. I think it's like, I think it's sharp. I think it looks like, I think nobody else has it. Nobody else. And I understand why nobody else has it. It's because you can't read the numbers and I get it. I understand that I am not, when I say nobody else has it, I understand that there's a reason why, but I also think that it's unique and it's Miami. And it looks like someone who's like going to a club that's wearing way too much cologne at 11. Like it, like that's how it, that's how those jerseys feel. Those jerseys feel like they were designed for like the 35-year-old Cuban who thinks he's 25 that's going to 11 with bottles, right? And that's showing up there wearing the jersey. And there's some... Did he rehab? Oh, sorry. Did he rehab or did he just uh, marry J-Lo? Huh. Yeah. Combo. 
combo, right? He was all out there doing the little pub tours. The real you, you marry J- you marry J Lo and you get to be a star. I, God, he's so phony. So I'm also not like I'm a hot take. I'm not a huge J Lo person. Um, <laughs> Shakira greater than sign J Lo. Um, and so uh, 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 all of them. Uh, that's, that's my general according sentiment. To, according to our sources, uh, J Lo was a bitch. So. <laughs> According to our sources, that's terrific. She was ever since, ever since she was a mm-hmm. ever since she was a five year old going to dance class. Mm-hmm. This I'm is black. amazing for every for everyone that is is listening to this. I want you to know that Morgan said that and then immediately took a sip of her drink. Like, all right, I'm just going to drop that here. It was incredible. It was amazing. Oh, that, that was terrific. I'm going to jump in here and steer away from that J Lo talk because I love her. My Jenny from the block. No. Blasphemy. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by um, the rocks that she's got, steak. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, my what are some of your favorite weird stats from this Marlins team? I think mine is they've used like 61 players this year, and I think the record for a 162 game season is like in like 67, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah, that would like, have. What been are some of your mine. favorite weird stats? God, that would have been mine. I think that that mine is that I think what fourteen players made their major league debut for the Marlins this season, fourteen, like so, so or fourteen or fifteen, some crazy number like that. And now you have next series, you will have two rookies starting on the mound for them. That's crazy. That's crazy. That doesn't happen. All right, Jeremy. We'd like to thank you very much. We're running up on our clock here. So uh, can I quickly get a thank you, Jeremy? Three, two, one. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. I love that you guys call me JT. Thank you for that. And uh, just before we go, the I want to- JT. Yeah, exactly. Throw out some hey. plugs for you. Obviously, you've got your Swings and Mishes podcast with Craig Mish. Mm-hmm. You're a producer on Seven Sports Extra, and you've got your Nickelodeon yep. podcast with G Star yeah. One. So, anything yeah. else you got going on? You want to chit chat about, or is that it? You're busy. No, nah, man. man. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna shout out my girlfriend. We're moving in together in a couple of weeks, and awesome. I'm very excited about that. So, even uh, after yeah, the bod uh, revelation, I'm impressed. Yeah, even after that's what I'm saying. She found out that I wore bod into my 20s and like said nothing about it, which was pretty amazing. So. Yeah, she's she's pretty special. We're moving in together in a couple of weeks. I got the keys today. Awesome. So I'm pretty Congratulations. Yeah. That's that's wonderful. I'm, I highly Thanks. recommend taking a couch with you. Apparently it's really difficult to get one. So <laughs> Yeah. Don't good news is I already yeah, good news is we already have the couch all set up. I'm 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 all good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Mike Ryan moves. All right, all right Jeremy. Thank you very much. And all right, uh, thank go you guys against the Braves. You are the and best. We'll, thank you, know, you guys. We'll probably look to have you back, um, you know, after that series and continue this. I would love to. Wonderful. Wonderful. Love that shirt, John. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hey, and also, let's go eat. Absolutely. Despite the injury. No more. Yeah. No more Miami. Take care, JT. See you guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.